the game is over. The New York Jets are the world champions. You play to win the game. He's got it. That's a Jet touchdown. Can't wait. You're listening to the official Jets podcast, a Jets 360 production. Welcome inside the official Jets podcast game preview. Ethan Greenberg, Eric Allen here, bringing you a preview of the Jets-Raiders matchup week two of the NFL season. Fun fact to kick things off, EA. Since 2002, the Jets and Raiders have squared off more than any non-divisional opponent. That's ten times, six of which. throughout the National Football League? I believe so. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry, the Jets, just from a Jets perspective. Oh, from a Jets perspective. From a Jets perspective. And six of those... The Jets have won. Yeah, I've been out to Oakland a lot of times throughout my Jets career. I've had some good memories. My first time out in Oakland actually was at the end of the 2001 season. John Hall nailed a 53-yard field goal that propelled the Jets into the playoffs. Unfortunately, the following week, the Jets had to go back. <laughs> he had to go back to the West Coast. Back to, to back in the black yeah. hole doesn't bode well. And, and the season ended there in Oakland. The following year, the season ended in Oakland uh, once again. And a guy who was quarterbacking that 2002 team is going to join us later. That's Chad Pennington, of course. And they like it when they call me Greg Papa will be on <laughs> That, uh, the preview podcast as well, the, a voice of the Oakland Raiders and a Syracuse alum, so I know you have an, uh, an extra pep today. Oh, for sure. Anytime you can get a Syracuse guy on the show, it's a good day, other than me, other, in addition to myself. But let's, let's dive into football here. Obviously, week one, not the outcome the Jets would have liked, but moving forward into week two, what are some of the things that the Jets need to flip the script on in order to put themselves in a position to potentially win this ballgame on Sunday? Well, very simply, they got to score more points, right? Because when you're going to a Raiders team that is, has one of the best offenses in the league, you can make an argument that this is the most complete offense in the league. A tremendous quarterback in Derek Carr, weapons and and Crabtree and Cooper and underrated Seth Roberts. and Beast mode. Yeah, and beast mode. I was going to get to him. And then uh, uh, a new tight end in the mix as well. Uh, you know, so you're going to have to score points in Oakland. Defensively, what you want to see from this team is just follow your assignments. Do your assignments because that's one thing they were miffed about. There are a lot of MEs, mental errors, last week against the Bills. This is a totally different battle. And Oakland's going to come out. I would anticipate challenging the Jets secondary more than they were challenged early on by the Buffalo Bills because the Bills primarily put that game into the hands of Tyrod Taylor, LaShawn McCoy, and Charles Clay. For me, it's about the running game and Matt Forte and Bilal Powell combined average two and a half yards per carry and simply put, that's not where either one of them or the offensive line would like to see that number. And the Jets do have two very talented running backs in those guys. And when you're going to a place like Oakland, the home opener, yep. the return of the Oakland native beast mode, Marshawn Lynch, in the black hole, right. you know emotions are going to be high. So for me, if you can try to establish a run game, especially early, it can kind of limit the crowd a little bit and eat some time off the clock and really get players accustomed to playing in a hostile environment, much like Bill's Mafia last week. But, you know, let's go out to 
Northern California because if we, you want to know about Northern California and the Oakland Raiders, you got to speak to Greg Papa, the voice of the Raiders. Greg, I'm a Syracuse alum as well, so Eric's in the minority here, but that's all right. We're here to talk about Raiders football. I wear orange, the University of Florida alum. The wrong orange, the wrong color, the wrong shade. But that's for another time. So simply put, obviously, the Raiders, it's a very talented team. Some pundits have them penned in for the Super Bowl in February. So one of the biggest storylines throughout this offseason has been Marshawn Lynch and the return of Beast Mode, obviously, last year. Took a year off from football. What have you seen from him throughout training camp, the preseason, and now one game in the regular season? Well, you know, another guy who was a Syracuse alum, Al Davis, would uh, be proud of this football team because the first time really in 15 years they could make a, a challenge to what Al wanted to do every year, and that is win the Super Bowl or contend for it. Uh, Marshawn means so much. I actually uh, broke the story in the Bay Area right before St. Patrick's Day that I heard rumblings that uh, that the Raiders were talking to him. Marshawn, uh, you know, I had known throughout, was not going to stay retired. He just wanted to refresh his body for him a year away from being uh, you know, a battering ram. And uh, so it's been invigorating, especially with the news that the Raiders are going to relocate to Las Vegas in 2020 to bring arguably the best Oakland-born football player that has ever played in the NFL. John Brody was born on this side of the Bay, but he was more of a 49er. Jim Plunkett was born in the South Bay. So Marshawn, there have been a few others, uh, but really... Uh, I, th I think right now he's the most accomplished uh, Oakland-born. So in light of the move and everything he means, and he's just pure Oakland, he's always been. Uh, I've been talking to his mom and Marshawn for years, even when before uh, he went to Seattle and he was playing for the Bills. He, he dreamed of playing for the Raiders, but the Raiders had just drafted Darren McFadden, and Al was not going to do that. So he fits now. He fits the, 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 the physical nature the head coach, Jack Del Rio, wants to have. The Raiders have invested a lot of money in the interior three, of their offensive line, Coleccio Semele, Rodney Hudson, and Gabe Jackson. And to have a, a power back like Marshawn uh, next to uh, that group and, and, and also next to Derek, because Marshawn can run with the quarterback under center. He can run with the quarterback in the shotgun. He can run with the quarterback in a pistol. He can run any inside zone, outside zone, power. Marshawn's just a runner. The one thing from the last game is I think the Raiders at times were too predictable when they gave him the ball, and Tennessee really loaded the box. Uh, I'd like to see him use more play action. He's still got the great ability to break tackles. I think he's the best tackle breaker we've had in the NFL since, you know, Mike Allstott, John Riggins, Larry Zonka, the great Earl Campbell, that kind of ability. And I, I, from watching him, I, I don't, he hasn't shown me the quick feet that he had in Seattle. He had really quick feet and would also uh, avoid tacklers uh, with his elusiveness. And I, I haven't seen that quite yet. That may come, you know, as he plays more and gets his body back into really good shape, football shape. But uh, it's going to be so exciting on Sunday for him to run out of the field in the black hole as Oakland's own Marshawn Lynch. But this team being so good and the whole you know specter of, of moving to Vegas there, I, I think the, the community and the football team needs Marshawn Lynch equally. Greg, it's going to be an emotional scene, as you just mentioned, that uh, Marshawn Lynch making his regular season uh, introduction wearing that silver and black at Oakland Alameda Coliseum, the hometown kid. Here he is. My question is, though, last week it seemed like the Raiders used him as a closer. They came out firing the ball with Derek Carr, one of the game's best young quarterbacks, without a doubt. Um, but with this being the home opener and Marshawn Lynch being in Oakland, do you think they turned to him a little bit earlier in week two? 
I think those factors really have nothing to do with it. I think it's you know how you can move the ball and score touchdowns against this defense. And the strength of the Jets' defense is the front. Uh, the linebackers are speedy. I'm a little perplexed why they don't show up and, and make more positive plays with their speed, Davis and Lee. I like the secondary. The safeties are going to be good. So uh, it's hard to say exactly how they're going to attack them because I think you know uh, the, the, every, the three levels of the Jets' defense can be good any one day. But I think... To answer your question, I think the, the Raiders are a, a little bit of a split personality offensively. If you watch the Tennessee game in the opener, Derek was in the shotgun, empty set, no backs behind him or next to him, five on the line, five eligible receivers, and let's go. It's Derek Carr's show. Right. But then you've got the money in the offensive line in the middle of the line, with left guard to right guard, and Marshawn later in the game, they dropped the hammer and gave you beast mode. To me, it's a lot like, remember Bill Cowher's Steelers that won uh, Super Bowl Forty over Seattle? You know, they had fast Willie Parker early in the game and Ben chucking it around to Antoine Randall-L and, and Heinz Ward. But then later in the game, they yep. ran the bus over you. You yep. know, they, they brought out Bettis. And I think that's kind of what the Raiders have. They, they want to get the lead not play so many fourth-quarter drama games like they did last year, jump the lead with Derek, and then when it's time to run that 40-second clock out, you want to give them a full bag of Skittles and a lot of beast mode. Let me ask you about a pair of offensive weapons in Oakland who I think are going to start to get a lot of attention as the year goes on. And we got to look beyond Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree because – we know kind of what those guys bring to the table. How about Seth Roberts and Jared Cook and their roles on this offense? Well, they they, uh, they were involved. I mean, Jared Cook is the best Raider vertical running tight end they've had since Ricky Dudley. You know, they, they had Zach Miller here, but Zach was more of a, a possession, soft spots and zones, just knew how to get open. But Jared Cook could get up the seam and run. And Jared Cook has a little wiggle to his game more than I thought. And he's proven to be a better blocker than uh, than he was certainly looking at him in Green Bay. Seth Roberts is a guy Derek Carr trusts. And to your point, I mean, if you're the opponents and you're Todd Bowles, you know, Amari Cooper's the guy you worry about. And then Michael Crabtree because he can get open suddenly. And then they, they just create weakness in the defense and stress points where, where Jared Cook can pop open. And likewise, Seth Roberts. I mean, Seth Roberts has caught some big, big touchdowns. He caught a, a huge one to put the Raiders up two scores. So, and that's what I'm talking about. When they go, when they go empty set, those guys are involved in the running game and the passing game. They're, uh, the Raiders even bring Cordero Patterson. There's some formations they use Sunday where they did not have a running back on the field. They had four wide receivers: Crabtree, Cooper, Roberts, and Cordero Patterson, the former Viking, and Jared Cook. And Jared Cook is like a big wide receiver. So. Yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of the split personality where they, they can give you all these eligibles and let Derek just throw the ball to the open guy. Defensively speaking, the elephant in the room is Khalil Mack because he's the 2016 Defensive Player of the Year. But beyond him, in the secondary, you know, a lot you don't really hear a lot about the Raiders secondary. So my question to you is, what is the overall state of the secondary and what have you seen from them? Well, it's evolving. We were really concerned about it in the preseason, and it was alleviated a little bit opening day because they played uh, so well after the first drive in Nashville, and, and we were really good on third down in the second half. But it, it's a it's it's a work in progress. You know, your top two draft picks this year in the draft were both defensive backs. Gary and Conley out of Ohio State has not gotten on the field yet. He had a shin injury at the last uh, OTA back in June, and just has been slow to heal. Uh, he's starting to make progress. There's a good chance. 
that he may make his debut against the Jets. Obi Melanfondu, a big, tall safety from the University of Connecticut, was supposed to be a matchup guy against tight ends, and uh, you know he's, he had a ankle injury, then later a knee procedure, and he's going to miss at least the first half of the year going on IR. So it's evolving. You know, you got Carl Joseph, the number one pick from uh, two years ago out of West Virginia, next to the veteran Reggie Nelson. David Amerson is one corner, Sean Smith the other, and T.J. Carey. And it's been a vulnerable area. I, I would put the whole Raider uh, back seven. The, the front has gotten better with some infusion of youth to join Khalil and, and Bruce Irvin. Uh, the linebacking core is a bit of a, of a quandary, although I, I think they're starting to figure out how to use the personnel, both at the base and the nickel. But that's an area of, of where they can attack. Now, can Josh McCown do that on Sunday You know, with, with the, the, the veteran guys they brought in late, Kirsten Curley, and then the young guys? You know, Robbie Anderson looks like a player to me. Uh, you know, I, I, The Raider run defense looks better, and I think their front is strong. If there's one area that, that they've got to figure out, it would be the back seven, the linebacking core, and how the secondary fits with that. You tweeted the other night, during that Patriots-Kansas City Chiefs game when the Chiefs uh, put up nearly 600 yards, that the Raiders have more talent on defense than the Patriots. The difference is seeing uh, them, uh, setting them up in great spots to succeed uh, like they've done in New England for so many years. You mentioned the two rookies uh, who were in the opening day lineup for Oakland. What can you tell us about them? Well, as far as your point about New England, I would say slow your roll on that. That New England, that this is the best secondary I think Belichick has had going back to the Ty Law days. And Stephon Gilmore, I know him well from watching the, the Bills. I've watched his whole career. He's an undisciplined player who I think is going to take time uh, to learn how to study, prepare, and play the defense. But over time, he's going to get those guys to play. Yeah. You know, uh, oh, yeah, we've seen that many times. And, yep. you know, I worry about the, 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 not worry about it, the hell with the Patriots, but they're, <laughs> they're nickel guys, the one-area role that you got to learn about. Uh, but he's going to figure it out, and they're, they're going to play good defense at some point. New England they gave up the fewest points per game last year of any team in the NFL, even better than Seattle. Yep. As far as the Raiders, Mel Fonville won't play on Sunday, but Gary Conley, at Ohio State, uh, I thought he was the best corner in the draft. You know, he had a, he had a rape allegation uh, right before the draft, and a lot of teams took him off the board. And the Raiders wound up drafting him at 24. They they believed his story. Uh, it did go through the grand jury, but there was a no bill. He was not charged in Cleveland for what happened. Uh, highly skilled. He, he's by far the Raiders' most skilled corner. It's not close as far as his movement. He can play outside, inside, in the slot. Uh, he's coming back off a of shin, though, and his movement skill has not been as, as apparent as before. When you watched him before, he's just one of those special athletes that can move forward and backwards in the backpedal, and it looks like he's just, it's just, it's just easy. He's like not really trying to move, and he gets there, and he's, a, he's got long arms and a very good cover guy. So in time, uh, Conley will be a prominent guy. He'll be an outside guy in the base with the ability to jump inside of the nickel. He could even possibly be a matchup guy. The Raiders don't do a lot of that. Uh, but they could do that with the elite wide receivers they, they would face throughout the course of the year. So uh, I don't know how much of a role he would have. It's a chance he may play on Sunday's number 22. Uh, he may have a limited role you know, in a sub-package, but I think – over time, uh, they got to get him up and going to match up with these great offenses in the AFC. What's the formula for the Jets to be in this game in the fourth quarter? Dominate the game at their front. I, you know, Leonard Williams is a guy the Raiders were looking at. Uh, we had a report that he would need a, a shoulder surgery and uh, you know wouldn't play, and then he played. He's played great. You know, we know him well from USC. Went right after Amari 
in that draft. I love the front. You know, as I said before, I'm a little confused why the linebackers aren't uh, more playmakers. Darren Lee's the guy the Raiders were looking at if they didn't draft Kyle Joseph, and he's just so fast. But I think he has to learn uh, the speed of the game still at this level. Uh, you know, I. Uh, it, it's Josh has got to make uh, player free football. We know Josh McConwell. He's a great guy, just a, a superhuman being. And he's not quite the athlete that he was when he was younger, but he's still very accurate, very smart. He knows what he's doing. Uh, you know, forced turnovers would be the way to do it and have Josh do his thing and then try to get the running game going. I was surprised they didn't run the ball better against the Bills. And then, you know, conversely, they had a hard time with the run. But I, you know, I think that's going to be a good run defense over time. And it may be a little bit easier to lock down to the guy like Marshawn, who you know he's going to be rather than shady. He was a little shiftier. So uh, it's going to be, you know, just play air free football and try to steal a couple possessions in the turnover game, and the Jets could stay in the game. Greg, thank you so much. It's wonderful having not only yourself, but another Syracuse guy on the show to back me up here a little bit on the official Jets podcast. Before we let you go, real quick, we, uh, we have a favor to ask. We want you to remind... Jets Nation, because I don't know if they're familiar with your trademark saying, only because we're not quite sure. We, we don't think you're going to be saying it on Sunday too much. You know, I, I don't, I don't typically do it because it's hard to uh, to recreate a touchdown call. I get after it a lot, but because you're a Syracuse guy, I think you're younger <laughs> than me. I was, I was yes. class of '84, <laughs> and because okay. I love your guy Chris Gargano, uh, who has worked with us for years in Silver and Black Productions, now working with the Jets. I love him. I, I will give you one. Brace for it, Jet fans. You may get, I like your defense, but uh, you may get four or five of these on Sunday, and that would be touchdown! <laughs> oh, man, that was tremendous. Greg, thank, thank you so much. Greg, again. we'll see you this weekend. Great job as always. Thank you, guys. Talk again. I say hi. You got it. Ah, uh, Greens, I got to get on our producer, Jack, here, because he told me Greg Papa's Twitter account was something that I was looking up. It might have been a fan account because Greg Papa, when I brought <laughs> up that the Raiders' defense was more talented than the Patriots' defense, I saw that on his Twitter account. He said, maybe slow, it his Twitter account. slow your roll, EA. So maybe we had the wrong <laughs> Twitter account. <laughs> maybe, hey, maybe it was a fan account. I guess that's kind of the, uh, the question on Twitter is, for anyone, not even just him, is, is it who is it? That's why you got to look for the blue check in general. The yeah, but there are some people who don't have. You're blue, verified. You, there are some people who don't have blue checks. You don't have a blue check. Chad Pennington, our quarterback here in the Jets preview. Chad Pennington should have a blue. He check. He does not have a check though. We should we should we should get Chad Pennington to have a blue check. We'll but talk to him momentarily. We'll we'll talk to him. We'll we won't mention the blue check. That'll be a behind the scenes. Thing. Maybe next week we'll have one. You I mean, never know. But Twitter does have to update this. The yes. Chad Pennington does not have a blue check. Come on. And we need our producer, Jack, who's doing a tremendous job. By the way, I love our open for the Jets official podcast. He has to be on point with these Twitter accounts because I think I just cited a fan Twitter account. <laughs> the voice. And, and talk about the official Jets podcast. you got to make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. You can do it in the podcast app on your phone, on NewYorkJets.com. We're there. SoundCloud, we're there. We're everywhere. We, we're bringing you three podcasts a week. EA and Bart Scott, the Mad Backer on Inside the Jets, which you can also listen to Monday nights, what, 7 o'clock? 7, yeah, 7 o'clock ESPN Radio here in New York. And you can come over to Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits right here at the Wyndham which is across the street 
from the Jets Atlantic Health Jets Training Center. It's literally a stone's throw away, and so you can watch that show live. And uh, Bart was in he was rare, in form rare form Monday <laughs> to open night. up the season, and he'll be ready to go because when I get back from the West Coast, I might be a little fatigued, to be honest. I'll, with he'll bring you up a little <laughs> bit, I'm sure. And then Wednesday, Olivia Landis and myself bring you a different look. We're going to try to get a lot of Jets alumni pertaining to Who was on week. this week? We're getting, we're actually getting someone from the Black Hole this week. Who's that? We're getting JT the Brick. Oh, radio. Yes. Yeah, I've heard him on the radio multiple yes. times. Okay. But, yeah. but week four, quick teaser, Kevin Y being inducted in the, in the Ring of Honor. Yeah. We're going to bring him on. Nice. So that's, oh, a, that's and, a little And congratulations right to Kevin Y because you just mentioned him. He's actually on the list of modern-day candidates for the Hall of Fame again this year. And they'll whittle down that list as... The months go on, but he takes another step forward. We'll have to see what happens. Hopefully, we can get him in this year. That would be nice. It's just a matter of time before Moai goes in. All right. Now, that's your The Official Jets Podcast breakdown. But, like I said before, this is the game preview. Let's touch on it real quick. Craig Papa talked about different facets of the Raiders. Something that I kind of want to focus on is the Raiders' secondary because he said they're evolving. And so... For this Jets team to to have a successful day in the black hole on Sunday, you would assume that they'd have to attack the secondary. Well, I think you just got to have balance offensively. You've been mentioning all week that you'd like to see an improved run game, and so is the, so is the offensive line. Uh, Calvin Beach, and we talked to him earlier in the week, they'd like to really control things up front. But Todd Bowles also said – the Jets would like to be aggressive with their down-the-field passing, basically more short, intermediate uh, routes there against the Buffalo Bills as they tried to keep everything in front of them. The Raiders might try a similar approach. We'll have to see, but if the Jets can get something down the field that can open things up, maybe that's from a Robbie Anderson, um, Jermaine Curse. Uh, a guy like Will Ty, who is big, and you wouldn't necessarily say he's a speedster, but he looked pretty good getting down the field. So we'll have to see. I like what I saw briefly out of our Darius Stewart. He's another guy who can make yards after the catch. I think it all goes together. I think the offense is going to be an evolution each and every week, and that's not just coach speak because there are so many moving parts here uh, uh, for the Jets. But I think they'll come out with a better effort in Oakland uh, against the Raiders' defense greens that at times has shown vulnerabilities. You mentioned the back end, and but the Jets need to keep them honest. You're going to have to establish some sort of a running game as well. Something that you mentioned that I just want to harp on is the evolution of the offense and a lot of moving parts. I feel like a lot of fans may think that's kind of a cop-out answer. No. It's really not. It's really not. And I, I just want to make this a super clear because there are a lot of moving pieces. And when you start, what, OTAs back in April, March, whatever, right. you start then, you start to build this chemistry, a new offense, and then you bring people in a week before the regular season, not even a week before, and you, you expect them to play. That's ridiculous. This is the NFL. A lot goes on behind the scenes that a lot of people don't know about. I just want to make that abundantly clear. Well, yeah, there's no excuses. You want to go out and perform. And you wrote about it on Monday. Josh McCown clearly stated the offensive Output, 214 yards, 414 on third down to 12 points wasn't good enough. 
and they're going to hold themselves to a higher standard. And you're not going to make excuses, but it does take time. That's why I'm saying that with each practice week, you would anticipate this offense coming together. And it's going to take some time to find an identity, too. You know, Todd Bowles said about five games in, you'll know your identity. So right now, the Jets are going to be finding themselves. That doesn't mean they can't go into Oakland and win this game. They can. They got to play excellent in all three phases. Special teams was off to a great start. I anticipate the defense to play better. A uh, different kind of animal this week in the secondary uh, is going to be in the spotlight against Derek Carr and company. Offensively, uh, you know, let's see if the Jets can get moving and maybe uh, get Bilal Powell going a little bit because I think he can create some mismatches with his speed out there. All right, Greens, let's bring in our quarterback, Chad Pennington, from down in Kentucky this weekend. Chad, Jets, Oakland Raiders. What do you take away from that opening ball game, uh, the green and white, the Bills, that you think this team can build upon if you're Ty Bowles and that coaching staff? Well, there weren't any major disasters, Eric. I thought the game against the Bills was played exactly like a week one game that's supposed to be played. Both teams are trying to get a feel for each other. Going into the fourth quarter, a tight ball game. Uh, both teams have made a couple of plays. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that the game turned when the Jets got within 14-12 to 12 and the defense allowed the Bills to drive down the field and put 21 up on the board. And uh, then after the Jets got a really good punt return, they missed a great opportunity on first down to really get into the red zone to get into scoring opportunity, and it kept them out of scoring opportunity. And those two situations, I think, were kind of the difference in the game where everything else is pretty much even. And that's all that happens in the NFL, where everything's pretty even, and you look at three or four plays that turns the scales one way or the other, and the scales were turned uh, for the Bills. Overall, what do you think of the offense? Effort? It was uh, John Morton's first time as an NFL play caller, and they're working in a lot of different pieces here. Jermaine Curse was acquired nine days before. He had seven catches. Will Ty came in, did some nice things. Nice things. He had three catches. Ardarius Stewart played in his first professional game. Chad Hansen getting some reps on the outside. You got new starters on that offensive line. Calvin Beecham at left tackle. Brandon Shell finished last year. Uh, those last four games, he's starting at right tackle on an opening day for the first time. Wesley Johnson starting at center for the first time. And with all that being said, it's the veteran quarterback with the first-year offensive coordinator, John Morton, who are trying to implement this offensive system with a lot of transition. Well, positive things were no major disasters. Um, also, a lot of people involved in the production of the offense, both catching and running the football, which is a really good sign. I thought that a lot of multiplicity in formations and schemes, which was good. Uh, but the battle was lost up front. I felt like the Bills dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball on Sunday, and that was the difference in the game. Chad, moving forward now, something that Eric alluded to is that all these moving parts and a new offense at a bunch of positions, and something that Josh McCown said yesterday is that he really stressed the importance of practice because this playbook will open up with time. But being in that room during your days, can you just kind of give us a behind-the-scenes look for – fans that don't know what exactly goes into 
opening up a playbook and developing chemistry with a bunch of guys that really have played one game together? Well, it's a work in progress. There's no doubt about it. And uh, you take the small victories day by day. And uh, when you have a lot of moving parts, when you have new parts that are introduced into your system, both coach and player have to take advantage of every rep, mental rep, physical rep, communication, conversation, every meeting. Um, and your notebook is your biggest, uh, your best friend. Uh, taking notes and learning your players, both from a coach and from a quarterback standpoint, talking with each other, uh, really discussing the game of football. It, it cannot be a nine-to-five job. It has to be around the clock trying to make sure that uh, you are making up for lost time. And so that's, that's the biggest challenge. I've been there before. And uh, then you have to have some veteran leadership to step up and just make plays. Um, that's the bottom line in this league. Sometimes it's not about scheme. It's not about anything but just somebody saying, I'm going to make a play. And you make a play, you turn the momentum. And it's a pretty amazing thing when you get some momentum going and your belief system changes and you start believing in what you do. Those plays that weren't working earlier start to work just because your belief system changed. You got a little momentum, a little confidence, and that normally starts after a couple of, uh, players have made some some plays for you. What do you think about McCown overall? The Bills took away uh, a lot of things down the field. The Jets said so. Uh, we saw a, basically a short to intermediate passing game. Completed sixty-seven percent of his passes. Uh, we mentioned the struggles on. Those early downs, so the Jets just finished 4 of 14 on third downs. And then he lamented the turnovers because you never want to have picks. The one at the end was a different story, but the first one, he, he was uh, blaming himself on that ball. But what do you think about his game overall as he started uh, an opening day uh, a contest for the fifth time in his career, Chad? Well, he... Uh... Through, through most of the game, he, he did not put the Jets in, in bad situations, um, and he managed the game well, took what was given. Uh, it was obvious that the, the Bills were trying to keep everything in front of them. Uh, they weren't going to let Robbie Anderson crease them down the field for any type of uh, big plays, and it was going to have to be a methodical type of performance. And for the most part, it was. They're just uh, When there were times to make a couple plays, whether the passing game or running game, those plays weren't made to give yourself some breathing room as an offense. Um, and, and that was the difference. And I thought the big difference was is that the Jets did not control the line of scrimmage. Um, and I don't necessarily look at rushing yards when you're talking about controlling line of scrimmage. You're looking at movement of the line of scrimmage. You're looking at um, pass rush. You're looking at all these different things. And just for the most part, the Bills controlled that. And so that's what made it a little bit more difficult. But... Um, you know, it's a big challenge for Josh. Uh, he's working with a new system, new team. Uh, you know, didn't have a lot of reps in preseason. That's no excuse, but it's reality. And so it's it's certainly a work in progress. He's handled the situation well. Um, he, he had a performance that uh, allowed the Jets to be in a position to win. Uh, they just weren't able to capitalize. Yep. Well, what do the Jets need to do in Oakland to succeed against a defense that finished 26th overall, but they still have a lot of talent up front in Bruce Irvin and Khalil Mack, who was the Defensive Player of the Year last year? Well, I think, number one, um, on the road, in Oakland, on the West Coast, the first quarter uh, is really important um, to 
make sure that uh, Oakland doesn't get off to a great start and use the emotion of the crowd and the black hole. They're excited about the Oakland Raiders now. And it's, just, it's been a while since they've been in the mix of things. And, and with Derek Carr and some of the uh, young pieces that they have, well, the additions that they've been able to add, uh, they're excited about Raider football on the West Coast. And so that first quarter uh, is really important. And then throughout the game, just being able to avoid the disaster uh, to where you can be in the fourth quarter with the chance to win. Uh, that's going to be the key. Earlier on our preview podcast, we talked to Greg Papa, and he, he talked at length about Oakland native Marshawn Lynch making a return here. This will be his first home game for the Raiders this weekend, so I'm sure it's going to be an emotional scene at Oakland Alameda Coliseum. Uh, what do you think about the test now for the Jets secondary? Todd Bowles said Jamal Adams had an outstanding debut, and he also said Marcus May had a good ball game in week one. The corners weren't challenged that much on the outside. As you mentioned, the Bills did a lot of things what they wanted to do. They kind of dictated the battle, where this is a different animal this week, where I imagine the secondary is going to see a lot more action on the outside. There's no doubt about it. Um, <clears throat> you know, Oakland presents a, a completely different challenge than Buffalo. Buffalo was able to take their best players in Tyrod Taylor and McCoy, and those two players controlled the entire game. Um, now you're looking at an offense in Oakland that has multiple options on the perimeter in the passing game, uh, has a running back now that creates an attitude for the offense and his style of running, speaking of Marshawn Lynch. And so this is a huge challenge for the defense. Um, they, they've got issues here as far as uh, it's going to start with controlling the line of scrimmage. If they can control the line of scrimmage and be able to make Marshawn Lynch stop his feet in the hole and not get his momentum and steam rolling downhill, that's the key to the running game. I heard Coach Bowles talk about gap control players playing their gap, not trying to overcompensate for another teammate not playing his gap and opening up gaping holes. In the secondary, it's, it's, it probably needs to be a little bit of Buffalo's type of mentality where you know, we know you can pass the ball effectively and you've got some weapons out there, but you're not going to get us on the big play. And so in the secondary, it's got to be able to eliminate the big play. Don't get discouraged with the short route, the short passes and completions. Um, Force them to be patient and see if they can do that for four quarters with the with the shorter completions, not giving them the big play with Cooper and Crabtree and, and the rest of the crew. What do you like most about Derek Carr? Well, I think he's starting to come into his own. Um, he's talented. Um, he's been able to handle his career so far uh, really well with his progression, um, and so far he hasn't put too much pressure on himself to do too much. Try to stay within the, in what he's learning, how he's progressing. And I thought coming out of college, he was one of those guys that was ready to take that next step, even more than, than some of the guys drafted before him. Um, so, And he's been able to rely on his brother's experiences too, uh, which I think has helped. He, he was around the Texans growing up, uh, around the game of football, watching his brother David um, as he was going through that. So I think he's tried to rely on those experiences as well to make sure that he uh, jumps over those pitfalls and shortcomings and 
tries to keep it as smooth as possible. How do the Jets then go about limiting Carr's production on Sunday? Because you know he's going to be slinging or slinging it around. Well, I think you know getting the ball out of his hand quickly is important um, to where these these receivers can't pierce the defense vertically down the field with the big play opportunity. The more time he's able to sit there and and allow the, the receivers to work down the field, that that really puts a lot of pressure on the secondary. So the pressure uh, is one uh, I think is important. It's not necessarily sacks; it's just being able to make him uncomfortable, uh, make him get off of his first read and move to the second one because of the pass rush, those types of things, just as, as uncomfortable as they can make him. And really, it's going to have to start with just the front four first um, because if you get into five and six-man pass rushes, then you are now singling yourself up on the outside with your corners and safeties and things like that, which bodes well for their offense. So that four-man pass rush is going to be important. And then anything off of that, uh, will be a bonus. And lastly, Chad, what are your favorite? What is your favorite memory of the Oakland Alameda Coliseum? This could be the last time the Jets play there. Well, yeah, you know, I remember the early 2000s playing there on Monday Night Football, and then the playoff games and, and things like that with Rich Gannon and Charlie Garner, Tim Brown, Jerry Wright, Bill Romanowski, Charles Woodson, Trace Armstrong. I mean, they had some football playing dudes. Yeah, um, they did. And uh, they had some really good teams. Uh, but I do remember in 03 when we were down out there and, and came back and, and, and got a great win. Uh, it was uh, really uh, nice to be a part of. Uh, but those, those, the atmosphere then was uh, exactly what you expect from the black hole. And uh, <laughs> I always said it reminded you of Halloween every time you went out there. You'd see some crazy costumes with some funky-looking people. But they love their uh, football. Um. That's, uh, I'm just excited. That's it. I'm I'm ready. Chad. <laughs> Chad, as always, uh, good catching up with you, and uh, good luck coaching down there. I know your latest game was uh, rescheduled due to rain, but, uh, you know, get those guys ready for the next ball game. You're still undefeated. <laughs> what is this world coming to? We're canceling ball games because of rain. I, I'm completely I've never heard of it. I, I'm an old guy, though, just like you. <laughs> Talk to you next week, Chad. All right. Have a great day. Great stuff from Chad, as always. Something that was mentioned before in the pod that I just want to bring up because I find it extremely interesting is that even though Khalil Mack, the Raiders' dominant defensive end slash outside linebacker, depending upon the package, whatever, irrelevant, he, led, he, he was the 2016 Defensive Player of the Year, 11 sacks. However, the team that he plays for, the Raiders, finish last in sack total. I just find that kind of amazing. And you know that he's going to be a focal point of this offensive line and Bruce Irvin because it's one of the most talented duos in the NFL from a rush perspective. No, you're right. And I I don't think Mack had a sack in week one in one of those grading services. Maybe it was pro football focus. uh, Don't quote me on that. Rated him as the top edge rusher for what he did in week one. That was without a sack. This guy is a dominant defender, but that doesn't mean the Raiders have a dominant defense. They're trying to find themselves again. The Raiders win with their offense and playing good defense. They liked what they did in the opening week against Tennessee, did a decent job against a very good run offense in the Titans, holding them to 16 points on the road. 
Uh, let's see if the Jets can get more than 16 points. You're going to have to – I don't have a number in mind, but when you look at the Raiders, every week it seems like they're in the high 20s, low 30s. Just a prolific attack. So uh, the Jets have their work cut out for them. But I anticipate a better effort than week one. I really do. I think the defense will stick to the assignments. It's they'll be challenged at times though. There's gonna be some times on the outside where you're gonna you're gonna be stuck with a Crabtree, a Cooper, a Roberts, a Cook, one of these guys and one on one and you gotta make some plays and turnovers would help and you need special teams to stay on point like they were in week one. And let's see what you can get out of the offense. Something that Bart Scott said on Inside the Jets, which really stuck with me, is games like this where you know you have your work cut out for you, this is why you play the game of football. It is a competitive sport. The Jets will be ready. They're gonna, they want to fix their mistakes from, from last game. It's evident when you talk to these guys, the message, kind of the motif of the week per se. I don't think anybody, to be honest with you, I don't think a lot of these guys even pay attention to I think it means the same as uh, what's for breakfast. Like it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean a lot to these guys, you know. Oh yeah, they so, have a game plan. They'll be confident in the game plan, and they got to go out and execute it. And, and it's a it's a big time challenge. And they have a healthy amount of respect for the Raiders. But like Todd Bowles was being asked about all the Raiders' weapons, and at some point he said, "It really doesn't matter what they do. It's on us. If we do what we're supposed to do, they should be in the ball game." And that's all we have for the official Jets podcast game preview. Once again, we brought in Greg Papa, the voice of the Raiders. Every week we bring in Chad Pennington, EA, Ethan Greenberg, Jets 360. That's how you do a podcast. Oh.